In this podcast, we want to dive into the paradoxes and complexities of the Catholic faith. Jesus is the Lion of Judah and the Lamb of God. He's the same Messiah who drives money changers out of the temple and calls us to himself so we can find rest and peace. The gospel he gives us is beautiful and simple and at the same time challenging and complicated. So join us as we look at the Lion and the Lamb, the simple and the complex, and try to bring our complicated world into the peace and beauty of the Catholic faith. Um, okay, so you're trying to out-hipster me today. I can see that. Yeah. I'm okay with it. That's fine. Paula's got her, her cool knit beanie. This is the third different beanie I have seen you with this week. Yeah. Which is, which is pretty great. You've noticed. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Oh, yeah. Because well, they're, they're cool. It's Well, it's the it's the season, right, with the, the cold and everything. So yeah. the beanies make perfect sense. And then the glasses, those are new. That you're noticing a lot of things about me this yeah. week. Yeah. Well, I know the glasses are new. Yeah. Um, and yours are, are real. Yes. Mine, not... These are these are fake. I'm just this You're... is just a joke. I just, you know, I'm just trying to be a hipster, but you actually are. Um, not at all. No, I'm, I'm really impressed. The, the hats are relatively new. I'm not a hat person generally. Actually, I'm never a hat person. I will brave the cold with like a jack, like a hood. But I realize their practicality. See, I love I love wearing a, like a beanie, especially in the wintertime. I get it now. Yeah. Oh, I, I genuinely awesome. get it. I was like, wait. I'm not as cold. <laughs> like it's, it's like it literally it literally shook me to my core. Oh, oh, the whole purpose of warm clothes is that I would stay warm. I just never, now I understand. I just never wore hats. I I never wore hats and I was like, "Oh my gosh, my life is infinitely better because I'm wearing like these things." That's yeah, and it just it's really sad that even in Vermont I didn't wear hats either. So you lived in Vermont for four years. Yeah. And didn't wear hats. No, I just depended on like my jacket. But it's it's from they people in, in Vermont wear hats. I know, but I never did. Because I just didn't like anything on my head. And now I realize the practicality in keeping you warm and covering up oily hair, which is what this is currently doing at the moment. And I just feel like I discovered something so wonderful, but I'm like, man, what if I, 30 years, n really not wearing any oh, hats. Oh, wow. That's how dumb yeah. I've been. Okay. Well, I, I don't mean to agree too much with your dumbness, but I'm going to, I'm just going to agree with it because, oh my, wow. I, well, in any case, it's, it's very hipster of you. It's yeah, very cool. I tried. Um, it's got a, it's the nose nice ring going. Yeah. You got the nose ring. That's I've right. I've got several piercings it in my is ear. A nice, it is a nice hat though. Yeah. $12.99 at Marshall's or TJ Maxx. <laughs> Everybody knows the CC brand. It's not that hard to find. See, I, and then I you don't can, know then you can find several types of CC gotcha. brands. So you can get the one with like the little, little fuzzball up top, one that's a little bit longer. So it hangs. There's options. Okay. Colors. All right. Um, I'm, I'm there. Yeah. I uh, I have to be honest though. So I I have a few like beanie hats and stuff that I, I really like. I've seen them. Hats that they're nice. Yeah. Um, With I, your lumberjack outfits. I, <laughs> and Nati freaks out about them because you look not like a priest and it's weird. And she sees me wearing what? Like coming across the parking lot? Yeah. The... She saw you in flannel and jeans. She goes, why is he wearing that? I don't <laughs> like it. <laughs> so Nati is, is Paula's niece who yeah. is seven? Eight. Eight. Okay. Sorry, Nati. Yeah. <laughs> She's, she's she'll forgive eight. you and she yeah apparently she doesn't like it if on my day off i'm not wearing 
my collar. No. All right. I'm okay with that. That's, <laughs> I, I appreciate the, uh, the, the recognition of my priestly identity that she has. It's, it's very yes. beautiful. The beanies, right? Yeah. Um, I have a whole bunch of them. None of them were things that I purchased. I would just oh. kind of get them from people. Okay. So there's like a, there's a religious community and they have a beanie and they have their, their little, uh, symbol on their, on the hat. So they gave it to me. And then, uh, my cousin gave me one. And then there was, like I said last week, there's a lady in the parish who knit one for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like they just kind of show up. I, I end up, oh, I awesome. end up getting them and I'm, I'm really good with it because okay. it's something, something new. That's cool. Yeah. Well, so we got snow on the ground right now as I we're recording it. this, which is very nice. I'm hoping that there will be more snow this winter. And I know a lot of people think that I'm an insane person for, for wanting that. No, I'm praying for it. <laughs> so <laughs> the both of us. I think it's just so it's so good. It's so nice to have. It All makes right. winter worth it. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. I want to talk about something. Sure. We're going to talk about St. Joseph. Yeah. Because Pope Francis, uh, as, as we're recording this, it was just two weeks ago, I think. Uh, that Pope Francis declared the year for St. Joseph. It's very exciting. Everybody blew up on me about this. I was really excited. So the, the apostolic letter Patris Cordae is what uh, he titled his, his letter calling the, the calling for the, the year of St. Joseph. Um, Patris Cordae means the with a father's heart. Uh, so the heart of, of a father is how Joseph lives, lives his life. Um, he talks about the expression Ite Ad Joseph, and that's the title of this of this episode you don't know that yet but that's going to be the title of the, of the episode anything. so if you're looking at the at the episode title and wondering what it ad iosef means it's uh, <laughs> ad yosef which is latin for go to joseph and this is a this is a really exciting thing in fact i i, I mentioned this before that patrice corday i think is my favorite thing that pope francis has written you did you mention of, last of week. all the stuff that he writes i i don't really like his his writing style in general but this one this one just hits home and it's it's really beautiful I think he does a great job, the Holy Father, just bringing in these beautiful reflections on fatherhood, um, on the scriptures and, and what scripture says and drawing different different things out. So we're going to talk a little bit about some of the, the cool things that I found in this. Paula, of course, was supposed to read this ahead of our walked in this morning is like, oh, I knew I forgot to do something. You know, when you walk into class and you totally forgot to do an assignment or a project, that's what came rushing through my heart. <laughs> the nerves. I had oh, the, no. yeah, PTSD developed again. <laughs> and I was just like, I'm a failure at life. I don't think that you were the type to skip homework. Uh, depends. I'm not, I'm not buying that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't skip homework, but it would happen occasionally. It wasn't okay. like so for you that that feeling was uh, oh no yeah I forgot to do something no oh. I blew it off again I need to get better at this I mean I'm not saying the blew it off didn't also happen yeah, like, <laughs> not to the extent habit. that the other one had happened sure, <laughs> sure. okay oh, yeah so goodness. I didn't do my homework and we're just gonna see how I respond to his uh, his things well I gotta be honest about something okay. I know people are super obsessed with St. Joseph, like obsessed. Uh, they love praying, having novenas towards him, um, interceding for him. I genuinely don't have a relationship with Joseph. Okay. So the ex it's, so it's weird. So for me, everybody's super excited. Oh my gosh, it's the year St. Joseph. I don't personally really get it because I've never had a supernatural relation with him like I do with other saints. Okay. Well, this is, this so is going to be a good year for you. Then. This is interesting. It's going to be a good year for you. And this is why you need to read Padre's Corday. 
Ah, so <laughs> <laughs> this is shame why, me into reading exactly. it. Exactly. No, this is why you need to read it because there's there's actually a ton in here that's that's going to bring Saint Joseph alive for you. Because Saint Joseph is silent in Scripture, right? He doesn't say anything. Mm. Um, but when you when you reflect, as Pope Francis has done in this in this letter, when you start reflecting on it, you're going to see a lot of really cool things about Joseph. So Francis lists five particular fatherly characteristics of St. Joseph. Okay. And we're going to get into those five characteristics. Okay. Um, but before that, he just kind of explains why he's writing this so that he's, he's wanted to for a long time. And in particular, the pandemic has, has caused this to, to really be on his heart and on his mind. Yeah. And he highlights a few different things. He says, first of all, that Joseph had the courage to become the legal father of Jesus and he gave the name. So to Joseph was entrusted the responsibility of giving the name that the angel had told Mary to give the child. And so it's Joseph who names Jesus. Mm. And to name someone in scripture, you know the significance of naming someone in scripture. Yeah, I mean, it's you are theirs. You're theirs and there's there's a relationship. Yeah. So when God gives the name to, um, when God gives an, a new name to Abraham, mm-hmm. And he gives a new name to Jacob. By giving these new names, it signifies a particular relationship. There's something now new about that that connection. It's not just I call myself this, but now I am called. And the mission is also given too. Exactly. The name signifies the mission. Yeah. Right. So we have Joseph first taking on that that courageous act of, of giving Jesus the name, which establishes a relationship. Then we see him and Mary obedient to the law. They go to the temple, they offer, they make their offerings. We see them living as a foreigner because they flee to Egypt. We see them living a hidden life in Nazareth, far away from everything. And then Francis points out that besides the Blessed Mother, there is no saint mentioned more often in papal magisterial documents than St. Joseph, which I didn't realize. I had no idea barely mentioned in scripture. Right. He, he only, oh, okay. like, I think in, in Matthew's gospel, four times, Luke's gospel, four times, something like that. There's, there's a, a very small number of, of places, but these, nevertheless, this is so, so important. So Francis writes this, he says, each of us can discover in Joseph, the man who goes unnoticed, a daily discreet and hidden presence, an intercessor, a support and a guide in times of trouble. St. Joseph reminds us that those who appear hidden or in the sh- shadows can play an incomparable role in the history of salvation, mm. which is really cool. Mm-hmm. So then he gets into the five different characteristics of St. Joseph. So first, a beloved father. So he talks about how, Fran- how how Joseph has to concretely express his fatherhood. And so even though he's not a biological father, his how his fatherhood is, is expressed. He devotes himself completely to caring for Jesus and Mary. Everything about what he's doing is a gift. It says he employed his legal authority over the Holy Family to devote himself completely to them in his life and work. Now, Francis is going to come back to this idea of authority later on. Mm. But this idea that the father's authority in the family is not for himself. So later on, Francis will talk about it's not an authority that's domineering or misogynistic, whatever. Anything like that. that. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's an authority rather that's in service. So Joseph has this authority, but he gives himself completely in service. He's devoted completely to Mary and to Jesus. So this is a great one. All right. Then Francis goes on to talk about Joseph as a tender and loving father. So in Joseph, Jesus saw the tender love of God. Can you imagine that? That 
Jesus, this is Jesus in his humanity. Yeah. Right. Jesus is fully human, fully divine. So he, already, union. he knows the father perfectly. There's, there's no need for him to see anything of the father. He already, he already does that. Yeah. But in his humanity, he's seeing an expression of the father's love, the father's tenderness. Oh. So when anytime Jesus looks at Joseph, that's what he's seeing, that tenderness, that care, uh, that gentleness. At the same time, um, we don't know much about it. We don't, like scripture doesn't give us any of any of the stories. So a lot of this is kind of imaginative. Mm -hmm. What would have happened? Well, we know the culture. We know what Joseph's role would have been in the community and what the family structure would have been like. And so the different responsibilities that Joseph would have had as a father and how Jesus would have had to be obedient and all that. So we understand that part, but there's, there's not much there. So anyway, um, Francis writes this. He says, tenderness is the best way to touch the frailty within us. Only tender love will save us from the snares of the accuser, mm -hmm. the devil, because the devil wants us to focus on, on our weakness and on what we're not good at. So it's really beautiful. Then Francis is calling in this document to the sacrament of reconciliation. He's calling us to repentance. This is where we experience the tender, loving father, mm -hmm. that God welcomes us in spite of our sins, in spite of our frailties. He welcomes us, loves us, cares for us. And restores us, builds mm -hmm. us back up to what we're supposed to be and what we can be, what we always have the, the capacity for. So this is a really beautiful thing. Then Joseph, as a tender and loving father, is teaching us. He's teaching us that, that faith in God, as Pope Francis says, includes believing that he can work even through our fears, our frailties, and our weaknesses. He also teaches us that amid the tempests of life, we must never be afraid to let the Lord steer our course. And that's Joseph being, being obedient. And that's the next thing that we come to is Joseph as an obedient father. So this is our third of five important fatherly characteristics. You have Joseph responding to the angels in the, in the dreams, right? Do not be afraid to take Mary as your husband. Mary as your wife. As your wife. <laughs> <laughs> Can we fix that in post? No, let's just leave it in there. That's a really good one. I'm glad Do I not changed. be afraid to take Mary as your wife. That was good. I was listening. I'm, I'm taking in what you're saying in preparation for responding. Yeah. So. But Joseph is, is docile. And think about the fact that he always is being spoken to in dreams. Yeah. Do you ever reflect on the fact that every time God speaks to Joseph, it's in a dream? I can relate to that. We could talk about that later. Well, maybe we can talk about that later. But just the. <laughs> what has to be present in your heart for you to be able to, to hear God even in your sleep? That Joseph is so at peace in spite of the difficulties and challenges that he's able to sleep. Because what happens when, we, when we're nervous, when we're upset, when we're at a sleep. loss, we don't sleep well. Um. So think of, think of how challenging it is for Joseph, betrothed to Mary, to find out that she is with child. And he's been told that, that she's with child by the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Does not understand what this means. Mm -hmm. So he's asleep when the angel tells him, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. He's asleep. So even though he's he's in turmoil, he's so confident in God's protection, mm. in God's providence. He's so good that he's able to sleep in spite of that, that very real concern. And then he's obedient. Then again, we're going to see him obedient uh, when it's rise, take the, the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. He gets up and he goes right away. And then again, in another dream, go back, go back to Israel. So he's obedient again, and he gets up and he and he goes, and he always takes Jesus and Mary with him. 
And this is one of the things that, that Francis highlights, that Joseph always takes Jesus and Mary wherever he goes. Mm. He always obeys right away whatever it is that God is asking of him. Um, and then this is a, a, just a cool line. He says, in every situation, Joseph declared his own fiat, like those of Mary at the Annunciation and Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Joseph says yes again and again and again to the will of God. And that's the key for, for us if we're going to if we're going to walk the Christian path, if we're going to strive for, for holiness life, we have to say yes to God. Right? Okay. Now what do you think about this? The accepting father. This is the next one. And this is where from Joseph we learn discernment. Mm. Joseph accepted Mary unconditionally. He trusted the angel's words. Right? God helped him by enlightening his judgment, Francis says. Joseph set aside his own ideas in order to accept the course of events, and mysterious as they seemed, to embrace them, to take responsibility for them, and make them part of his own history. Mm. Okay. This part, I think this part was the most challenging for me. This, this little section of Joseph as an accepting father. Because there, there was this part of me, and I'm still kind of wrestling with the, with the idea. So I want to get your thoughts. Okay. He says that Joseph allows the things that are happening, he accepts them as they are, and he allows them to become part of his history. Now, there's, there's this little part of me that says, is that just being too docile to outside forces? Mm. Is there not a responsibility on Joseph's part to stand up, do something? to take some kind of action. Like if I sit back and just say, well, this is, this is what's happening. So it must be God's will. It must be God's plan. You're going to tell me that I'm, I'm off. I'm not, I'm not right about that. It can't just, everything isn't just part of God's plan. There, there are certain things that I have to do differently or have to approach differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to take action sometimes to correct mistakes or to correct things that are, are going wrong in the world. If, if I see a, a situation that's bad, I have to say so. I can't just allow it to keep going on. Right. But Francis is saying that Joseph is not just resigned, he has hope, he has courage, but he allows these things to, to happen and he, he goes with them. I don't so know. kind of, kind of like Paul that says, you know, I rejoice in all things, you know, his ability to rejoice and surrender to God in the midst of shipwreck, imprisonment, <laughs> brutality, like, um, but then also in conversions, um, witnessing the Holy Spirit work in people's lives. Like he, he says like to praise God in all things. Yeah. So GK Chesterton says that a dead body goes with the current, but it takes a living body to go against the current. GK Chesterton is fire. And it's good. Well, that's where I, I, I had that quote playing in my head mm-hmm. uh, that idea from, from Chesterton that, wait a second. I realize that that Joseph rolls with the punches, and I've always kind of thought of him more in that way. That Joseph realizes that there are things out of his control, things he can't do anything about, and so he does whatever he can to protect the Holy Family, to protect Mary and, jo- and Jesus. Joseph goes to Egypt. He, he doesn't want to, but he goes. Um, that that Joseph rolls with the realities that are, are presented to him, but at the same time, I feel like. I don't know. I was, I was reading this section and I'm going, Francis, are you sure that's what you want to say? Are you sure you want to say it? Is that it because it's that... not manly enough? No, it's not <laughs> that it's not manly enough. It was just like, I, I felt like there, there was, 
I don't know this that maybe that's my only critique except that it's not a, a really well-formed critique it just feels like there's got to be some kind of a, a push but at the same time I think what, what Francis is challenging us to is to say that there are certain situations that simply have to be accepted as they are we can't control everything right we can't fix everything and that's where I'm rebelling a little bit because I want to control everything and I want to fix everything you know what I mean mm-hmm. so that uh, I don't know this is there's a lot think there. we're on that in a little bit yeah well he says he didn't look for shortcuts he confronted reality with open eyes and accepted personal responsibility for it that's pretty manly yeah it, it what it reminds me of it's when there's a situation that's being presented to you even obviously if the situation is not what you desire or what it should be um, you are responsible for how you will, are going to react like that's something that we all are capable of. Mm-hmm. So like, how am I going to react to this situation? That's what I have responsibility over. And can I react to this with the Holy Spirit? Like, can I react to this with God in mind being the center of how I'm making decisions or um, treating this person or approaching the situation? Because then, then that changes what is being what you're involved in or what's being presented to you. Mm. Um, so that one, it makes me think in that, like, but it's, so it's it really, it's, it's a greater call to surrender to God in the midst of, you know, famine or in Joseph's case, when they had to flee to Egypt just because they were killing the babies. So, um, I don't know, like going out there and fighting would just be really hard, but like, you know, to be safer would be obviously to, to go to Egypt um, for the protection of, of Jesus. Um, it's it's really interesting. Yeah. Well, so in this in this next the fifth section, the fifth characteristic, I just realized there's a sixth characteristic of fatherhood that Francis points out. I, I missed that one. Before. All right. In the <laughs> did fifth you read one, read it? I did. I did I'm read kidding, it. Look, I'm I, kidding, I underlined so many things. Yeah. Uh, Francis calls Joseph a creatively courageous father. And here he's talking about how in all the different challenges, Joseph responds. And maybe this makes up for the previous section or this fills out the previous section, but I still I still struggle with it. Anyway, Francis writes that difficulties bring out resources we did not even think we had. Mm. And this is where you start realizing Joseph so yeah. relied on God's grace and was so in tune with God's grace that when different situations arose, he was able to respond to them with God's grace with God's help, but he personally was able to to do something about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Francis writes, oh, this is so good. I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's so good. He says, a superficial reading of these stories, meaning the stories of, of Joseph's life, can often give the impression that the world is at the mercy of the strong and mighty. But the good news of the gospel consists in showing that for all the arrogance and violence of worldly powers, God always finds a way to carry out his saving plan. God always finds a way to save us. If at times God seems not to help us, surely this does not mean that we have been abandoned, but instead are being trusted to plan, to be creative, and to find solutions ourselves. I 
Love that. Okay, now I've got thoughts. Right? Like a lot more thoughts. Keep going, but oh, no, because yeah. this is this is the cool thing. At, so then Francis writes about this. We I said we'd talk, come to this later on. Yeah. At the end of every account in which Joseph plays a role, the gospel tells us that he gets up, takes the child and his mother, and does what God commanded him. Indeed, Jesus and Mary, his mother, are the most precious treasure of our faith. Mm. All right, Joseph is obedient to God, but then he does something. Yeah. God tells him, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. And he does. Mm -hmm. But along the way, like, how did they get there? What, what route did they take to get to Egypt? Um, where did they live once they got to Egypt? So it's kind of, um, okay. The one thing that I'm thinking about is discernment. Yep. Right. And I spent a couple of years like discerning and I remember going to confession because I was getting really mad at God and the priest just smiled at me and all he said was, enjoy the journey. <laughs> I was like, why would you say that? I just want to know my vocation. Um, but he smiled and he said, enjoy the journey because it was in the journey that I had to grow in certain virtues and I had to receive certain graces that God wanted to give me that it wasn't about simply, I just want to get to this point and ignore everything that happened, but it's that journey that took place between me discerning my vocation and me deciding to start that journey, that I experienced God more. I don't want to say more, but there were some things that he had to do in that time that he can only do in that time. Um, and I, I, I can kind of think of this in, in a culture where I just want this response now and you want to skip like, imagine if you just got married and you skipped the courtship and the dating and the engagement. Like there's so much growing in that period. There's so much um, surrendering, maybe little fights here and there, but you're learning about each other and you're learning about what it's going to become, becoming one. Like there's there's so much to that that you don't just want to throw that out. Why are you laughing? I just love because we talked the other day about this. I am I'm approaching the 20th anniversary of my last date. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so imagine if you hadn't had the courtship. Like Sure. Sorry, I'm just talking my life. to the people who are listening. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. Okay, listeners. But you can relate to the discernment part. It's not all personal. Part. It's, it's about you. Thank yeah. you for yourselves, yeah. not for me. <laughs> no, I, there's a lot to that. That Okay, I'm, I'm really starting to understand Joseph a little bit more now based on what you've already shared with me. But he's a man who says yes to adventure with God. And Bishop Barron says that faith um, under God's providence is the willingness to risk to go on a great adventure. So can I be willing to risk going on an adventure, even though I don't know where it's going to take me, but look where it took Joseph. Um, it took him to Egypt. It took him to all these places. When I think about my saying yes to my relationship with God at 18, I was like, all right, I'm ready to be committed to everything. And when people would, I, I would be asked like, well, what's it like? I cannot, like, it's like a roller coaster. You have your ups, your downs, you're like, when did that like spinning turn like get put in there? And it's just, it's incredible. It is the least boring experience of my life. If you think the church is boring, relationship with God is boring. I love what um, St. Jose Maria Escriva says. He says that if you're bored in prayer, it's actually, it's not that it's boring. It's because you're boring. Like we've like put God in a box and we've limited his, his power and his greatness and what he can do in our life. But it's because we're boring. And that hit me so hard. And I was like, Oh, 
That's why I call him. It's such a weird thing to say. My slap in the face saint. But there are just certain saints who have sayings that yeah. just like put you in check. And Saint Jose Maria Escriva is literally one of those. And he has a book with all of these things called The Way, The Furrow, and The Forge, where you can buy on Amazon. Um, but I keep it around because I just, you know, sometimes I just need a pick-me-up <laughs> or just like, hey, stop complaining, move on. Um, but it, it, it truly makes me think of that. It's what journey am I saying yes to in my life that God wants to present? But it's in the journey that I'm going to grow into the saint that I'm called to be. Right on. And I don't regret like my past experiences and the things that I've done because I've I've realized where God was in those moments, even if I didn't recognize it at the moment. But I can go back to past memories, um, past hurts and be like, wow, no, God has redeemed this and has told a different story through grace now in mm -hmm. this. So just think of St. Jose Maria Escriva, mm -hmm. right? Who are his patrons? I don't actually know. Jose. Oh, it. And Maria. Oh, well done. Joseph and Mary. Mm. Right? Yeah. You that... want to know why he's kicking your butt so hard? Oh, that's <laughs> why. It's because Joseph and Mary are right there in everything that he's writing about and everything that he's saying. Mm. All right, here's here's the cool thing. So going from Joseph always obeying God's call in those dreams and immediately saying yes, taking Jesus and Mary and, and going wherever he's called. Francis asks this. Right, we should always consider whether we ourselves are protecting Jesus and Mary, for they are also mysteriously entrusted to our own responsibility, care, and safekeeping. Mm. Like we have a responsibility to care for, for Jesus and Mary as, as members of the church. This could be a whole other thing talking about how we bring the faith to other people and how we, we safeguard, protect that faith and how we defend it, right. how we interact with people when, they, when they're against us about something. Like, I thought about this yesterday that if I'm sometimes praying with other people, well, like sometimes, oh man, this is terrible. I'm like, blessed mother, I need to bring you up more in my conversations. Yeah. Because there's, and I know how a lot of like other people of other faiths can be very um, hesitant towards it. And it's like, oh no, stop, idol worshiper. And it's like, no, 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 it's this is your mother too. But I realize even my own, like I was, I noticed this during when I was praying my rosary, like the, our lady was like, you got to bring my name up more. Yeah. Um, well, so here's here's where Francis gets gets really cool. I think this is maybe the, the most profound part. She talks about how Jesus comes in vulnerability. Mm -hmm. He comes as a child and needs to be protected. Mary needs to be protected also. And so Joseph is the guardian of, of Jesus and Mary. But properly speaking, then, he is also called the guardian of the church. In this sense, St. Joseph could not be other than the guardian of the church, for the church is the continuation of the body of Christ in history, even as Mary's motherhood is reflected in the motherhood of the church. In his continued protection of the church, Joseph continues to protect the child and his mother, and we too, by our love for the church, continue to love the child and his mother. I actually was going to ask why is Joseph a patron saint of the church? He's but... patron of the church for exactly that reason. <laughs> then then oh. think about what, what this means also, that the church being all-embracing, all-encompassing, and that particular call to, to care for the least of these, right? Then whenever the church cares for the least of these, those, the, those poor, needy, suffering people, those also are who Joseph is, is called to protect. So Joseph is invoked as protector of all of these, these different people. Okay. The last part, because mm -hmm. we got to wrap up here. Okay. The last part is that Joseph is a working father. Oh, there's seven parts. I totally messed up. I missed that one. 
I unlined so many. I underlined read. so many things. I did I'm read. I'm kidding. I know. I can see your underlines. I see yeah. your work. Okay. Joseph is a working father. So here Francis reaffirms the church's teaching on the dignity of labor and the dignity of work mm -hmm. and calls for us to make sure that, number one, we recognize the dignity of our own work and that opportunities are, are made present, that we are, are called to make present for people, mm -hmm. uh, to make possible for people those, those opportunities to work. And then the father in the shadows, mm. the idea that, that Joseph is, is behind the scenes. But this is fatherhood in its truest sense, that the father doesn't try to replace the son. The father doesn't try to replace his child or live vicariously through his child. There's always that danger of, mm -hmm. of a father living vicariously through his child. So mm -hmm. like you put the kid out there on, on whatever the, the sport is or the, the accomplishment is and kind of living vicariously through the kid as though that's your accomplishment. It's not your accomplishment. It's your kid's accomplishment. Right. Celebrate the kid and what they've done. But this is where, where Joseph is able to give everything possible to his son, give everything possible to make this, to make this happen and then stand back and rejoice that Jesus does what he does, that Jesus has the, that freedom. So he's talking about fatherhood and how the church needs good fathers and how the, the mark of good fatherhood is that you allow people to be who they are. You form them, you give them what they need in order to make those good decisions. You trust them. And then even when they're making their own decisions in freedom, you're still there to support them, to offer guidance, but never feeling like it's it's an authoritarianism or a domineering attitude, mm -hmm. um, but rather that that genuine, true devotion. So it's really beautiful. You should read it. Okay. Patris Corday. I have a couple more thoughts. A couple more thoughts. Go for so it. So when you were talking about obedience, uh, there's this saying that delayed, diso delayed obedience is disobedience. Mm -hmm. And uh, just in relation to, you know, God asks, us to do certain things. God asked Joseph to do certain things. And Joseph responded with obedience, but obedience is rooted in trust. Obedience is rooted in like, I know that you are good and that you desire my good. So I'm going to respond to that. And, you know, if Joseph delayed his obedience to God, what would be the consequence of that? Mm -hmm. You know, um, I don't want to think about that, but <laughs> you can think about it, but you can also think about it. I can think about it in my own life where God has asked me to do certain things, but I've delayed it hmm. and I've delayed being obedient. And meanwhile, he's like, well, I just want to give you this specific grace or like this specific thing. I want to help you out. But in the process, I was rejecting it because I realized I didn't trust God enough to um, surrender to him in that area of my life. So it makes me think, okay, I need to look, well, I'm going to read this. I promise I'll read it but to look at how Joseph was obedient to God in all things. And, you know, like he made haste, he went, um, he didn't like make excuses like, but, Oh, but this isn't the right time. This isn't this. Like there's never going to be a right time for anything. Like there, there really isn't, but what there is is choice. We have free will, but we have the ability to choose and our choosing allows us to walk in obedience, which gives room for grace and gives room to just, live that with God. And then the other thing that I love, cause you mentioned GK's Chesterton and I was thinking about this, um, is what, you know, this adventure that God is calling us to, to kind of enter with what Joseph is doing. GK Chesterton says Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and not tried. Mm -hmm. Like I said, it's a roller coaster. There are highs, there are lows. And I'm going to use another cliche term here, but the God of the mountains is also the God of the valleys. He's the same God. But if we're not willing to try, if we're not willing to choose to enter into the adventure, 
we're genuinely honestly missing out on something here because it's in that time that you are purified, that your desires are refined. You begin to ask like, okay, did I really desire this more than I desired God? Um, and you, you, it, it's almost, it's necessary because this is called sanctification. This is God purifying us and preparing us for heaven, which where he is the center of it all. And so where does my heart need to be refined and purified? Um, where do my desires need to be refined and purified and made Christ centered? So, um, I'm, I'm actually now looking forward to the year of St. Joseph more than I was about 40 minutes ago. Yes, it's going to be great. Yeah, and I I think the other thing too is I'm not, I guess I wasn't super excited because I was like, well, I guess, mm, I don't know how to say it, but like, so like I carry like a lot of father wounds and so it's not, it doesn't excite me more than like a mother figure does, Mm. you know, just based on like my own personal story. Uh, So this will be very interesting to enter into that with my own story and then enter more into knowing and building a relationship with St. Joseph. So there we go. Yeah. So I always had a relationship with St. Joseph because I went to St. Joseph high school. Oh, right. You did. And so there's every year the homecoming talk at, for, at St. Joe's was come home to Joseph. Oh. And it was it was always a reflection on Saint Joseph himself, but also on the school itself. So Saint Joseph, as as the one who who forms that home and who is is there, who's teaching, who's who's guiding, but who's kind of always present. But it's a quiet presence, in the same way that you know the school that you went to forms you and is quiet. Stanford High. <laughs> Ooh. Man, if you're formed by Stanford High, we got some work to do. No, I'm just kidding. No, Stanford High, we were in the newspaper for so many bad things. Of but course. Continue. No, but so Saint, the idea of, of of the high school being a community and a place where where you have a family, where this is where you belong. This is a place that forms you and it helps to build you up. So that that important stuff is is all there. So the idea of come to Joseph, of course, go to Joseph goes all the way back to the Old Testament and Joseph in Egypt and how his brothers were sent. Go to Joseph, whatever Joseph tells you, that's what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. And Joseph saves saves his brothers. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this, this idea, go to Joseph, St. Joseph teaches us so much. So when we look at him in scripture, read, read Patris Corday, because it's going to give you so much about what, what Joseph is, who Joseph is, why we need his intercession, why his example is valuable for us, what he teaches us about fatherhood, what he teaches us about our, our place in the church and, and how we can go to him. So we're going to close with this prayer that Pope Francis includes at the end of his letter. Okay. All right. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail, guardian of the Redeemer, spouse of the Blessed Virgin Mary. To you, God entrusted his only Son. In you, Mary placed her trust. With you, Christ became man. Blessed Joseph, to us too, show yourself a father, and guide us in the path of life. Obtain for us grace, mercy, and courage, and defend us from every evil. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Happy Year of St. Joseph, everybody. I'm Father Sam Kachuba. <laughs> and I'm Paula Peña. This is Roar Like the Lamb. Thank you.